This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. All right, everybody. Hello, welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Greetings, everybody. I'm Chris. Uh, salutations. I'm Jesse. With the awkward silence, it's just, yeah. every week with the awkward I, silence. You know, earlier today, I was like, I've got this one down, and I totally just blanked on it. Do you know? I I forgot to mention this beforehand, so get ready. I'm going to surprise y'all. Do you know what today? Today we're recording this. Today is February 10th. You know what today? It's my, it's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday. He's his birthday falls on National Flannel Day. No. Well, now I it's funny. I was just telling Megan, my wife, I was like, you know, I'm just wearing a t-shirt. You know, oh, I don't you're feel like the same t-shirt. Nice. Yeah. I was like, I don't feel like going all the way upstairs and getting a flannel. <laughs> <laughs> you got your flannel cast shirt in the background. Uh true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. And my mug. I don't know if you can see the mug. Uh, oh, I see in the, the very background. Yeah, 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 it's like a little Easter egg, except I just pointed it out. So I guess it's not really an Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, welcome to the premier geology podcast, the geology flannel cast. Um, we are three geologists that aren't scared to tackle the topics that nobody else dares to touch. Or maybe they dare to, but just not in podcast form. <laughs> Whatever. We'll go with it. I mean, exactly. It's, a, it's our tagline, so. Yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, you want, we, got a, we got a little news story. So, well, I guess before we get into this little news story, we're just going to spend a couple minutes on today. The topic of today's podcast is all about sandstones. We're going to try to cover. This is a huge topic. So we're obviously not going to be able to cover everything, but we're going to have some fun with this. Sandstones are my personal favorite type of rock just fyi so really i love them they're i don't know some people might say they're boring but kind of admire the simplicity there's well there's there's a a complex simplicity behind sandstones that's that's how i feel about coal (laughs) good maybe we'll do three episodes on sandstones yeah we probably we could definitely i I mean absolutely we could do a yeah well now i'm feeling all kinds of pressure to pick my favorite rock Pick, pick a favorite rock i don't next topic I was, yeah i was just there was a there's a good i want to say there's there's a textbook i don't know if it's good actually but there's a whole like giant textbook and i want to say it's called like sandstone or it's called like sand and sandstone so you, you know you could have a whole textbook on this topic that's how I yeah. think I, I think I have that textbook I, yeah. I in fact I know I have the textbook by Pettijohn I think that's yes yeah yeah I got yeah. that yeah, yeah that's I, a good one yeah. Uh, so we will be covering the intro to geology sandstone topic. Tomorrow. No, no, no. We get a little more in depth into that than no, you're right. Intro. You're right. But anyway, so let's let's uh, before we get into that, let's uh, we got a little cool little. Well, it's an unfortunate news story. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately. Last week we covered glaciers and all things glacial related. But unfortunately, in the news in the past week, there was a pretty tragic event so do you want to no go ahead jesse i was i was throwing it to you if this was a newscast i thought so yeah so um right on um 
uh, right on the the Indian border with Tibet, Nepal, up there in the in the Himalaya mountains, um, <clears throat> a, a piece of a glacier actually broke off and fell into a river, and and caused. Uh, uh, basically a flash flood it, it's it sent a pulse of water and unfortunately what happened what was downstream was a dam and the, this the, the pressure of this water from this flooding broke the dam which then flooded the valleys down <clears throat> down flow it actually ran into a second dam which also broke oh, um, goodness and it ended up um there's you know a, a few hundred people missing and uh a couple dozen were killed but it, it's something it's it, it's an interesting because we didn't really get into this too much it, it's what's called a hanging glacier which is um <clears throat> you know a normal valley glacier runs as the name implies like these alpine or mountain glaciers they run along the bottom of the valley but you can have these smaller glaciers that are <clears throat> higher up and they usually run into the valley glacier. They're like glacier tributaries, but they sit at a higher elevation. And there's a number of reasons you can get them forming, but in, in you know, which I won't get into, but in this case, what had happened was there was a landslide that hit the front part of this hanging glacier. And it was the, the front parts, probably the weakest uh, of the points because it's it's where you're starting to get a lot of melt and especially in, in this part of the world a lot of these glaciers are melting and receding so it's it's um <clears throat> there's some inherent weakness there so so this landslide of rock hit the the front end of this glacier and it caused a massive piece of the glacier to break off and so now you had this rock and ice mixture that that went down slope and into this river um and and so it caused this this flooding down flow uh yeah kind of scary there's there's some video out there maybe we'll post they they did recently just rescue a few people they're building the one dam was this hydroelectric plant they were building and a lot of the workers were in the tunnel uh into the side of the valley and the flood water rushed into the tunnel and they ended up they ended up uh, luckily a, a, a significant number of them got to the escape ladder, which was like the top of the tunnel, 14 feet and the water rushed into like 12 feet. So they, wow. Barely. And then they had to take this escape ladder, something like 1200 feet to the surface. Oh, geez. Can I, Holy cow. Yeah. So, uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting story. It's a sad, very sad, obviously, but yeah. it's, I think it, on one hand, it's sort of like this, you know, freak event, but on another, you know, with the climate changing and things getting warmer, you, you might see more of these, I don't know, glacial destabilization events. So yeah, I was just, uh, while you are talking about that, I was kind of just briefly skimming through. There's a, a New York Times article talking about this, and I'm going to post this on the on the Flannelcast website. Um, but that was the one thing they were talking about is that, you know, just as things warm up, 
these glaciers become more unstable and this is just, you know, kind of the things that you're going to have to start dealing with more and more. And then it's just kind of just the fact that the other thing that uh, I want to talk about is when these, when these dams break, I guess this, this is more of an engineering type of thing, but um, that's really bad when a dam breaks, you know, you, yeah. I mean, that's just total devastation. Just imagine just a giant flash flood coming down at you with absolutely like, you know, potentially zero notice. And there's been, there's been some really bad dam failures over the years that have happened that have just completely decimated towns. And it's just, ah, oh man. It's, yeah. it's, there was one in uh, Italy uh, had some really bad ones. Johnsonville. Johnson, oh yeah. Yeah. John, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, where yeah. like 14,000 people died. So the guy that engineered the dam for the Johnstown flood or the, you know, the, the dam broke there. He also was involved with engineering another dam that bursted. That, bro- that oh. broke, yeah. So he had like two failed dams on his. Uh, it was on his resume. Burst, know, not bursted. The bur- <laughs> the bursted dam. The burst. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. So it was. It was an earthworks dam. Yeah, and it it was at like a private club for for rich folk, and um, it it was one of the one of the things that led Andrew Carnegie to really get into philanthropy because I think he was a member at the club and he sort of saw the devastation. Oh, Cause Carnegie was, was he, was he based in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yeah. Carnegie okay. Mellon. And, and yeah. 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 So, and then yeah. Johnstown is like Not an hour, an hour for, yeah. from Pittsburgh. Yeah, or something probably something like that. Like that. Yeah. 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 Pitt, Pitt has a campus in Johnstown. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Pitt, Johnstown. Yeah. But, so close to 3000 people died. my, one of my friends I grew up with, his great grandmother, I want to say it was a great grandmother, was as like it was a young child and she was pulled by her hair out of the flood water. Oh, like, so that's their family story. My goodness. <laughs> Holy shnikes. Yeah. yeah. Was it was it three? I thought it was like something crazy, like 14,000. I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, it was the largest until Galveston, which I think ah. was like 13. Okay. Well, 3,000. Oh, yeah. For Johnstown. But uh, yeah, so we just want to address that, especially since we covered glaciers last week. You know, we want to leave this, um, you know, our hearts go out to all those people. But um, yeah, it, you know, crazy stuff. Climate change. Yeah. Am I right? It's, uh, we'll get yeah. You. yeah. Not- so check, check out the news article that Chris is going to post. Thanks, Chris. On a... Geologyflannelcast.com. Uh, um, real fast, Johnstown was, we said 3,000, it's 2,200, just FYI. Uh, oh, wow. It's way off. <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually is pretty crazy when that, when that dam, when the dam broke, it had a flow rate that temporarily equaled the average flow rate of the Mississippi River. It's hmm. <laughs> a lot. That's, that's, a, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of water for something that's not, yeah. not expecting yeah. that much water. May 31st, 1889, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania. But all right. I was born. You're born 1889. That's yeah. make you the oldest person on earth right now. In Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Yeah, actually, probably. Anyways, so ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the topic today is on sandstones. Like I said, this is my personal favorite rock that there is. I. Yeah, this is my favorite. Okay, so, that's it. 
Well, we'll see you next week. Yep. S A N D S T O N D. S T O N E. Jeez. Wow. Wow. Ah. <laughs> Woo. Um, so, all right. So, when we get into sandstones, you know, I guess the 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 first thing we want to talk about is the the type of of I guess the the category of rock that sandstone falls under. So, sandstone is a sedimentary rock. Wait, and- it's not classic punk or hard. I liked it. I, gonna, well, I left that purposely left that silence there because I'm going to insert cricket sounds. Come on. The three types of rock. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yes. Igneous, metamorphic or sedimentary. sedimentary. Very good. Yeah. yeah. I once worked with a guy who thought it was cemetery rocks. Cemetery rocks. Yeah. Aren't those called graves like gravestones? No, he yeah. literally thought it was uh, igneous, metamorphic or cemetery. The kind they make tombstones out of. They used to use limestone for tombstones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it didn't really work out too well. No, that's no. why. Those are the ones things. that are all melty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So sandstone. This is so this is a big topic. So let's just uh, let's start off at the very basic and work our way up from there. All right. So sandstone is a type of sedimentary rock. So you know, for all intents and purposes, there's there's two main categories of sedimentary rocks. You have your clastic sedimentary rocks, and your, your chemical, also known as bio or slash biochemical sedimentary rocks. Sandstone falls under the clastic sedimentary rock. So what that means is that this, these clastic sedimentary rocks are dominated by the mineral quartz. Quartz is a very, very strong mineral. It tends to, you can't get rid of this stuff. It's just, <laughs> it's, it just hangs around forever. It's very stable at Earth's standard temperatures and pressures, yes. so it doesn't yeah. break down very well. Yeah, it forms yeah. at low temperature, so it is stable at low temperature. Yeah. yeah. So this stuff, these uh, clastic sedimentary rocks, they tend well, to follow. Wh- what does the word clastic come from? Come on, buddy. Oh, I see you have a little I, note. I, I, I actually I did not know this until yeah until so I, I clastic oh. comes from clastos from the Greek meaning broken. Clastos sounds like a like a villain. Yeah, yeah right. Doesn't it? Villain. He will should, break your bones. We should start <laughs> making geology comic books. Yeah. Oh goodness! Uh, forget so, podcasting. <laughs> comic books is where it's at. If only I, I was artistic. Yeah. If only I could write. Yeah. All right. Podcasting it is. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> so, what what classic sedimentary rocks are? They follow this like kind of this outline of. You start off, you start eroding down, you start weathering down pre-existing rock. So let's just, let's, I'm going to go with like a textbook case here. Start off at like, like a mountain range. All right. Mother, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Mother nature wants everything to be flat. She hates topography. She hates like high, high topography. And she hates kind of like low lying topography. She, she wants to fill the low lying stuff in. She wants to break the high the high standing stuff down the great equalizer exactly she just she's really poor she just wants everything to be, she wants everything to be kansas and it's i don't understand it i love the mountains the mountains are always, oh, close to my heart There's mountains in kansas what mm, mm, that, that's getting edited out <laughs> um yeah mother nature driven by gravity yeah just pulling her down so uh she's Mother Nature starts attacking the mountains, right? The mountains start getting, as soon as the mountains get lifted up, 
they start getting broken down. All right. We have things like, uh, like frost wedging. So ice, you have water getting into like the cracks of ice. That's one of the main culprits to, for, for breaking down mountains. Um, so real, real quick. So when water gets into cracks yeah. and then the sun goes down and it freezes, when water freezes, it actually expands. It's one of the mm-hmm. few materials on the planet that actually expands when it gets colder. Most things, when it gets colder, it actually shrinks. Mm-hmm. But water, because of its the way it crystallizes, it actually the the bonds actually open up a little bit. And so in just that little bit of opening up, it actually has enough force it's really strong when it when it expands to crack to crack the rock yeah that macgyver episode where he poured water into a crack and then shot it with a co2 fire extinguisher and then it broke the rock so uh, macgyver can do it i would like to look at that i've never i've never seen that episode but it sounds like he would need a lot more time to do that because once it freezes bam well so water expands about nine percent when it's frozen. Yeah. All right. So if he just had a little, I'd have to look at this crack. I, I mean, number uh, one, the, don't the rock me. was on the verge. All right. Oh, okay. It was on the verge. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, right. carry on. So we're talking about frost wedging and <laughs> we got a long ways to go to make a sedimentary rock right now. So, so just imagine during the daytime, the temperatures are high. They're above, let's just say above freezing. Right. And the water kind of gets in, gets into these cracks of the rocks at nighttime. Things go down, but you know, below freezing, the, the ice expands and maybe it cracks the rock a little bit more. Daytime comes around, that ice melts, maybe it goes a little further into the crack. Nighttime, it it, uh, it freezes and expands a little bit more. So over thousands and thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years or whatever. Or one MacGyver episode. Or one MacGyver episode. It really starts to have an effect and it really starts to break down your rocks. And so that, that's just what that's that's called mechanical weathering right and it's it's type or physical weathering and it's basically you're making little rocks out of big rocks the big rocks being the mountains and little rocks being the sediment that eventually the mountains get broken down into and a lot of times with physical or mechanical weathering the the pieces the clastos that you have like that um (laughs) they retain the physical properties of the parent rock yeah yeah it's just little pieces of the big rock you can usually tell where it came from Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we start doing that and we start breaking this stuff down. And then when we break that, when we break these big rocks down, we call this sediment. So now there's a lot of water on earth. And most of the times the sediment is being moved by water. Not all the time, but you, know, you can have stuff being moved by, by wind or I guess, you know, glaciers, but that's technically water as well. You want to, um, you know, look at it that way, but most of the times you it's start not to have water. It's, well, it's ice. It's, it's H two O, but it's not water. All right, all right. I'll give you that. <laughs> it's lava. It's not a rock, right? All right, we're not going there. <laughs> so, anyways, the whole point. I'm getting. I'm getting. The stuff starts getting transported, and some of the stuff can get transported pretty far, and sometimes doesn't. The, the sediment doesn't get transported very far at all, and we'll talk about that with different types of of sandstones. You can look at a you can look at a sandstone and figure out how far the sandstone's been transported, how far it's been moved along. All right. So you transport your sediment X amount of distance, however, however far it is, but you can't transport this stuff forever. Eventually it's got to stop being transported. So I always like giving this example of, so say you have some, some sediment, it flows into the Mississippi river, right? The Mississippi river flow, you're, you're in Minnesota, the, the, the headwaters of the Mississippi river, 
and it flows all the way down to New Orleans, right? Hits up Mardi Gras, and then it flows into the Gulf of Mexico. Well, the the Mississippi River doesn't really flow that far into the Gulf of Mexico. Once it once it hits the Gulf of Mexico, it starts to kind of disperse and diffuse into the into the larger standing body of water. So what ends up happening is that as that water kind of diffuses into the Gulf of Mexico, it loses its energy and it just dumps off all of the sediment that it, that it brought down. And that's how the Mississippi Delta formed over, you know, over, over time, like half of Louisiana is made of, of, you know, it's, it's part of the Mississippi river Delta, give or take. So you deposit your sediment. Eventually the sediment can't transport forever. All right. And then you deposit it. And this sediment tends to get deposited in low lying areas, right? Low lying area, like the Gulf of Mexico, for example, right? And we call this a basin. So your sediment gets deposited and then it, uh, more stuff gets deposited on top of that. And, sh- and then over time it gets, it gets buried and then compacted. And then w- the next step to make a sedimentary rock is that your unconsolidated sediment has to then get cemented together to form like a, a cohesive rock or cohesive rock formation. And that's where uh, groundwater comes in. Groundwater percolates through your sediment and inside that sediment, there's, there's, there's pore space and uh, the, the groundwater that's percolating through starts to precipitate out minerals in the pore space and that, that forms your cement. And that's it, the whole process. Yeah. In, in, of- in regards to sandstone. Yeah. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so you, you know, like Chris said, you have your weathering, your erosion, your transportation, your deposition, um, and then lithification. Now with, with sands and stuff, um, you, you can only squish it so far. Like you can only squish it like 10%, 20% maybe. <clears throat> if we're not talking about this, this episode, but like your clays and your silts, they can get squished down like, you know, 50 to 80%. Basically you're squishing out all the water. You're squishing out all that extra space, but because you, you have these sand grains. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can kind of see my hands, you know, they can only squish together so far. And then the lithification part, like the cementation, like Chris was saying, that's where the groundwater comes in, starts bringing in all these ions and other schmutz essentially the glue if you will schmutz yeah. that's a good a lo- term i like that yeah a lot of times the quartz grains too they it, depending on how far they travel they <clears throat> as they're getting weathered they become rounder and rounder and so that's part of the packing issues is you have all these little round <clears throat> spheres and so they don't pack down there's a lot of strength there so they're strong to begin with because it's quartz but they don't pack down as yeah, if you've ever seen one of those like decorative vases with those glass beads in it, yeah, marbles or whatever, like if you look at it, there's a lot of empty space in Ooh, there. I like I, that. I, I was like gonna, that yeah, it's, it's like- something like 72% is solid, so which leads leaves a good amount of open poor space, a lot of like interconnected, empty, you know, in that vase scenario, it's air, and that's part of it is that. <laughs> It, they're connected mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's space but it's also connected so the water can get through mm-hmm. um, yeah so if you were to I, fill that face with water it would fill up pretty easily it wouldn't like bubble up and like get stuck in spots or whatever i was gonna say if you're at the grocery store look at the the 
bin of apples or bin of oranges but Ooh. decorative vases we run in different <laughs> crowds i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> i definitely don't do as much grocery shopping as i should i just spend but, my time in pier one apparently yeah vase <laughs> shopping though or vase shopping you know. yeah megan you go buy the steaks i'm gonna go i'll be a pier one <laughs> 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 to get a new seasonal decorative vase <laughs> exactly <laughs> um all right so that's so that's kind of the that's the general the general breakdown of how you know a, a sandstone uh form so there are things called uh, we have here on the outline uh chemical sedimentary rocks where you know that that's more or less like uh we're, we're they're being formed as a byproduct of chemical reactions, whether it be like oxidation or or something like that. Um, so we're not we're not dealing with with that kind of stuff here. This the um, you know I, I always kind of view as like uh, these like chemical sedimentary rocks as like you know you you're you're very it's very, almost like a very delicate process with these these chemical reactions. The clastic sedimentary rocks is kind of like. Hulk smash, you know, like boom, you break up these mountains, you push them down, transport them far. And it's just, it's just very, you know, and, smash and to them be, up. And to be honest, there is, there is a lot of interfingering of these as well. There, like, yeah, you, sometimes, you always get a little bit of, of, of chemical reactions occurring with this stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, or with the chemical reaction stuff, sometimes you get an input of this classic material as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they can, intermix and they often do there's you know just like anything in nature it's very rarely like an a a very typical something perfect so so we're trying to keep this simple though so for just let's just you know but you know yeah you're you're right so all right so now we got we got this uh sedimentary rock and uh you know your grains just uh like just we're just going to talk about sandstone right so depending on what type of sandstone you have, we'll get into the different, the different types of sandstone. They're made of these, these individual grains that are, are sand. I guess we should go over, we don't have this in the outline, but the a sandstone is made of sand sized grains. So the definition of sand is a particle of sediment that has a diameter between two millimeters and one sixteenth of a millimeter. So there's no like special definition for sand and geology. It's all it is, is just a size category. So, uh, you know, most of the times when you're dealing with sandstone, you know, quartz is going to be, I think we mentioned this before, quartz is going to be your, your dominant, dominant mineral, but you can get, you can get other, other minerals in there. Uh, we'll talk in a couple of minutes about, uh, like feldspar. That's a, a very common mineral. It's a, also a very important mineral when it comes to sandstones. And then sometimes you can also just get these things called lithic fragments. And it's just a chunk of pre-existing rock that's in that sand size category. So those are the those are like kind of like the three heavy hitters when when you're dealing with sandstones. Now, yeah, when you go from two millimeters all the way down to one sixteenth of a millimeter, that's a large it is, size yeah, range. Yeah, yeah. So depending upon that size range. You know, two two millimeters is like rough sandpaper. One sixteenth of a millimeter is like yeah, barely visible. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you you can still feel it with your hand. It's not like a, a sheet of like copy paper or something, but it it's you can still feel it with your hand. But it's it's 
uh, I guess it's smoother than an, uh, like a nail file, but it's n- not much smoother than a nail file. For, for all intents and purposes, one sixteenth of a millimeter is pretty much like the, that's kind of the cutoff point that the human eye can see. So what, then the, the, the next size is smaller than that is silt. And you really can't see, generally speaking, you, you can't, you can't see uh, the individual silt size grains. It's, it's just, it's too fine. Right. But then how, how well mother nature sorts these grains Ooh. will, mm. you know, that's going to, that's going to change your sandstone a lot. So if you have a, a constant, level of energy say you have a constant stream of water going at a constant speed that is can only carry two millimeter sand grains that's great so then the only thing that's getting deposited in this you know theoretical basin is going to be two millimeter sand grains so these two millimeter sand grains are just going to keep getting deposited think of like a a beach or something like that you know the energy is always pretty much close to the same it's always carrying these two millimeter sand grains that is what you call well sorted Uh now for those engineers who are listening we call this poorly graded all right and next just just stop it just stop it are are we not catering to the engineers no we're not this is a geology podcast all right don't even don't even plant that seed all right sorry i've had so many arguments about this especially early in my geologic career like I would write poorly sorted and then the engineer would be like, no, this is, this is well sorted. And I'm like, like, you know, doubting myself because I was new and like, no, these are all the same grain size. I don't understand. It's poor. It's well sorted. Like, or, you know, just, and then getting all mixed up in my brain and back and forth and all this stuff. So well sorted means everything is the same size. Poorly sorted means there's a bunch of different sizes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if you want to know about the engineering scale of graded, poorly graded, well-graded, send us an email at geologyflannelcast.com or write us a comment on the YouTube page. First subscribe, then send us a comment. (laughs) Um, And then we can, if we get enough comments about this, we can discuss it. But um, yeah, so depending upon how well mother nature sorted your grains depends on basically how much pore space you have. So if you, if you take my super awesome metaphor of our decorative vase, right? If you have all say super, super ball sized marbles in your decorative vase, right? You can imagine there's a lot of empty space in there. Correct. Okay. And let's say you take that super ball size and you drop it down to marble size. Well, believe it or not, there's pretty close to the same amount of empty pore space in that vase. Now there's probably a little less, but no, there's more, the smaller, the grain size, the more surface area. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. More. Yeah. Which doesn't kind of seems counterintuitive, but then if you take those super ball size marbles, and you take those marble-sized marbles <laughs> and you mix them together and put them in that vase, all of a sudden, all that empty space drops down See ya. a lot. Yeah. 
And then if you do that, you know, not just with two different grain sizes, but with three or four or five or six, basically you're taking all that small stuff and you're filling in all that airspace. Mm-hmm. So depending upon how well mother nature sorted your grains depends on how much pour space you have. And pour space is huge when it comes to drinking water or yeah, yeah. oil and gas, or like there's a, there's a million, like that pour space is critical to so many things. So I'm going to deviate a little bit. All right. No, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. We so, were so on track. No, we're doing a good job, but this is really interesting. And this is, I think this, this is a cool thing to, t- to talk about. We talk about porosity, but Steve, started hinting at the topic of permeability. It's oh, my favorite. Yeah. And, oh man. Who doesn't like yeah. a good permeability but discussion, permeability and also connectivity, connectivity. Well, let's go over. So, okay. Not conductivity, connectivity. How does permeability differ from permeability? Uh, Wait, there is a difference. Con- uh, permeability. Well, let's explain what permeability is first. All right, go ahead. Okay. So, okay. So continue. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. (laughs) So we got, we got all this pore space and like Steve said, groundwater is super important. That's a huge source of of fresh water for people. So, um, but what groundwater percolates through the sediment uh, and it's moving through the pore space between sediments, right? So you can actually have a lot of pore space, but not well, the, the permeability means how well does the the groundwater flow through your sediment, and you can actually have a lot of pore space, but have poor permeability. Like I think Jesse was kind of hinting at this earlier with shales, right? So shale, we this is this is a different podcast topic, <laughs> right? We're talking about sandstones today, but I'm gonna, I'm going to. Talking about sandstone, not shit. Sandstone. Sandstone. Talking about sandstones. Talking about sandstones. I think of that Alan Iverson. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going talking about. Practice. We're talking practice. <laughs> um, but we're talking about, we're talking about uh, so, but with shales, shale uh, is made of clay sized particles and there is a lot. What, what, how much? What's what's the pure porosity in shales? Like 75%? 50%. Yeah, you can get up above, above 50. That's above a classic. 50, yeah. Yeah. Intro yeah. when I when you teach like porosity, you're like, all right, I have a sandstone that has 30% porosity. So it's 30% open space and a shale that has 50% open space. <clears throat> Which one do you want to hold your water? And of course, students are like, oh, the, the one that has more. I'm like, well, you can't hold- suck it out there. Yeah, it holds more, but you can't <laughs> get it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, that's also because of the, the sh- clays tend to be platy and it, it kind of slows down the the flow of water it's really hard to get water to flow through these these platy clays whereas sand they're spherical they tend to be not all uh, tend to be spherical uh, you know spherical grains and it's a little easier for water to, to flow uh, decorative vase decorative vase there you go so there you go so porosity versus permeability they don't just because you have a lot of pore space doesn't mean that the water can easily flow through that pore space yeah. all right so um did see did you want to talk about connectivity uh, so basically permeability has more to do with flow through connectivity has to do with how well the, uh, network of connection is. So you okay. can have a zone of permeability where you can have flow through, but connectivity has to do with the network of connections. So it, it, very, very similar. Okay. So okay. yes. So it could be like one pathway versus. Like, yes. Got it. Exactly. 
All right. So let's get back to the, to the sandstones. Now um, I'm looking through this where, where, where it uses. I am. Are we already down there? Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, no, we, no, no. we're formation still. You're talking about like, do you talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Erosion and. Um, oh, so there's this, these two terms. We go back to. Oh, oh, yes. Erosion. Yeah. We can get more into erosion. Sorry. Kind of, kind of bounce it around a little bit. So we're talking about, um, you know, kind of breaking down these big rocks to make, to make your sand or your sandstone. We have these two terms and a lot of people, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie before, before I went, you know, I started learning about this in school. I thought that weathering and erosion were the same thing, but there's a, there's a subtle difference, right? Weathering is just kind of the breaking down of this, of this material, right. Of, 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 of your rock. Right. And erosion, uh, it, it, you you remove the material and then you transport it and you take it away. So there's a subtle little difference between. Uh, and actually there's like a another, there's a difference between erosion and transport. Right. Yes. Erosion is the removal and transport is when it starts. So it's mm-hmm. like weathering breaks it. Erosion is when it like leaves that parent rock. Mm-hmm. Or this is into the weeds of some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause honestly, weathering <laughs> erosion and transport, you know, in, in intro is kind of just like you break the rock and you move it. Yeah. This is weathering is like the process of separating it. Erosion yeah. is kind of just moving it away. <laughs> like it, weathering could be like the crack erosion yeah. is it falling away and then transport is it actually yeah. being moved yeah, moved by some other mechanism or or gravity mobilized or air or yeah yeah well, air is a fluid stop it yep <laughs> <laughs> this isn't, uh, a, okay, this isn't a physics cop that's strike two against Fuck. the engineers all right <laughs> uh no no you're right fluid yes i i thought you meant liquid i i do that a lot when I someone do, says yeah. fluid i think liquid well, I, a lot of people do yeah yeah it's, I'm, it's I'm, yeah. I'm teaching hydraulics in my uh, sedimentary class right now so it's the only reason i know no no you're right i because you're you were correct i was just i do that all the time where i think oh fluid yeah i mean ice must is, be water yeah I, ice is a fluid <laughs> yeah anything that has fluid flow so well let's let's move on to this so while we're talking about transportation trans moving the sediment along you can get into this uh this term called maturity or sediment well, maturity. Hang on. We're still on erosion. Oh. oh, I thought we finished erosion. No, erosion. Yes, erosion. We're talking about the, the process of separating the rock from the regolith. But uh, process of erosion could be abrasion, right? Other rocks rub against it. Mm-hmm. It could be plucking in that a grain actually gets plucked out of the matrix. You can get scouring. Which is kind of like a uh, digging down sandblasting ish yeah. thing, and it can be from wind or water, um, or you know, in the case of uh, chemical sedimentary rocks, uh, dissolution. You can actually like dissolve the rock sinkholes in, into its ions, oh, and then yeah, it gets transported cool. away and then redeposited somewhere else. So that's that's kind of so weathering is like the physical, like just breaking erosion. You know, again, abrasion, plucking, scouring, dissolution. Those are just examples. I'm sure there are more. But then once it gets abraded, plucked, 
scoured or dissolved it. (laughs) That's a word. It's very good. Then it has to go somewhere. And to go somewhere, it's transported. Is that what we're getting at? All right. Yeah. So now we're at transportation. Yeah. So most of the time when your sediment gets when you shut up, it gets moved along. It's, it's being moved by water, but you know, there's so much water on earth. Water's everywhere. You can't get away from it, but it doesn't have to just be water. You can have air moving sediment along. Uh, you can have ice. We got into this little disagreement early in the podcast, about water versus ice, you know, um, what else could move? Uh, gravity, gravity can yeah, just, along. Yeah. Just, free fall. If you have, yeah. Yeah. Rock fall, rock something falls. like that. Um, but yeah, so that's going to just, you know, move your, move your sediment along. But, um, so when your sediments being moved along, we have this thing called sediment maturity, right? And so I know we didn't even really get into the sandstones yet, but there's a huge back, like backstory that we have to tell before we can be like, okay, these are the types of sandstones. And, you know, this is what this is, you know, we're trying to, trying to paint a picture here. Maturity plays a big role in this. So yes, Mm -hmm. they're ready. So maturity. I something don't have much maturity. Yeah, I, I stole my joke. I, <laughs> oh, sorry. It's something that none of us really have, right? This podcast lacks. I don't know. I there am is, rounded. Steve's got possibly well vases. sorted. He's got <laughs> multiple decorative vases. There is a. Uh, there's a. Okay. There's a lack of. Never mind. Okay. So <laughs> sediment maturity. So you can think of this as like the degree of working the sediment. All right. So what we're talking about, we can have, we basically there's, it's a, it's a spectrum. We have two ends of the spectrum, mature sediment and immature sediment. So let's go to, let's talk about mature sediment first. Mature sediment is we have rounded grains. Uh, it's all well sorted. That means all of the grains that are together are all roughly the same size or pretty close to the same size. And the grain size is sand size. So between two millimeters and one sixteenth of a millimeter and uh, so this stuff tends to be uh, quartz, like just if you have a very mature sediment, it's all rounded, the same size, sand size quartz. And well, does does size matter? It tends to be uh, sand sized because like if you have something like a conglomerate, which is like next next size up, that, t- that doesn't tend to be mature. No, oh, that's interesting. We didn't really. I just want to touch on this quick because you keep giving the numbers of one sixteenth or whatever, and I don't know what that any of that means. None of that; it's all meaningless to me. Uh, <clears throat> but um, <laughs> uh, we we break down within sand, like we said, there was a big range, and I don't know if we mentioned this or not. <clears throat> um, we break down sand into subclassification of very fine fine medium and coarse and very coarse depending on you know <clears throat> so when you know a lot Don't of bring it that is, very coarse into here i know sorry vc <laughs> you gotta be very coarse um <clears throat> but it's a way because a lot of times when we when we when you're determining grain size it becomes somewhat of a an art form of being able to eyeball it so um yeah i just want to it is an art form it's it's yeah and you you have you have grain size charts these little handheld cards Mm -hmm. and i have one in my wallet yeah some of them i bet you you have the transparent one right yeah i think so yeah and some of the the classier ones actually have 
the grains glued onto the card. Oh, I did. Mm-hmm. I, I used to have one of them, but it doesn't yeah. fit in your wallet. This, yeah, the, the transparent ones are nice. Uh, I'm, I don't I'm know. probably going to call myself out on this. It's in, yeah, it's in my field book. Oh. Um, but I just want to mention that. So when, when we think about grain size, you know, yeah. we talk about fine sand or medium sand or coarse sand. And, you know, like Chris said, the degree of working, you f- think about like anything you've ever broken in your life. Uh, like you shatter something like you shatter glass and it's all sharp edges and, and jagged and, and ouchy. Right. And ouchy. But then if you've ever seen, yeah, come on, it's a technical term, but, <laughs> but then you've seen things like sea glass that they sell it also at pier one for your decorative vases. Um, there, it's all well-rounded. Like, Sponsored by Pier One right now? Is that what <laughs> yeah. it should be? Well, they still in business? Spe- <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. But you know who is in business? Ah. The formatting formula. Ah, <laughs> there we go. That's right. Formatting formula is going to, I'm going to get an angry email saying like, why don't you just have Pier One sponsor your podcast? <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, honestly, uh, I, that was a terrible segue, but honestly, the formatting formula, formatting formula.com, YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula for all of your word documenting needs. Um, <clears throat> uh, they just posted some new videos this week on YouTube. I, oh man, I, um, I'm updating this document right now. Um, <clears throat> and it, it, you know, a table of contents and whatnot. And it's, it's like 300 and some pages. And so I kept link, the link from the, the table of contents to where I was going. I'd have to get back to the table. I was like, I know there's a trick where I can put a button to take <gasps> the, me back. The back button. I, but I couldn't find it. And then like I needed to have it finished. I was working on it on like Sunday. I needed it for like Monday. And I was like, <sighs> I, next I'm going to need to redo this document in a couple of months. So I'm definitely hitting up the formatting formula for this purpose. I'm going to have them make it look really nice. Um, it's for my contract renewal. So nice. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm going to, I want to have them polish it up and I need to find that back button. Yeah. But honestly, the formatting formula. So uh, Jesse's referring to this back button you can customize your toolbar at the top of your word documents to to be set up however you want it to be set up i had no idea i thought like that's the way word sent it to you that's the way it has to be nope formatting formula taught me how like you have your your undo and your redo button that just comes standard well they gave me a back button so i can go back to that point of the document where i was whatever i was working on and i'm not going to lie when you're working with large documents Oh, it's a time saver, especially if you're doing like like searches or finds or whatever. Like you find it and then you're like, okay, well, but where was I before when I was working on this? Boom, back button, bam, back 200 pages, done. So you you know you, these the the formatting formulas genius is uh, just you know it is unbelievable. So I can't say enough about them. Formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash c forward slash formatting formula. And uh, we'll give you an update on Jesse's uh, promotion package. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, where are we at? Steve, you're talking about C-Glass. I was t- 
Thanks. <laughs> Could, couldn't have just said uh, roundedness or weathering, but no, you had to say sea glass. Yes. So uh, the when you when you break a piece of glass, it's very sharp. But when it gets rolled around and rolled around and rolled around, perhaps in the sea, it gets rounder and rounder and rounder and rounder mm-hmm. because uh like chris said mother nature doesn't like anything tall or pointy so it's going to keep knocking off those edges and that's <clears throat> yeah so it's called spheroidal weathering and it's just because the corner of of an object has your most exposed surface area there you go faces on a corner so that's going to weather first because it's yep. pointing out it's going to keep getting knocked off that that aspersion is going to keep getting knocked off and eventually you knocked off all your aspersions and all you have is a round marble I, like in your decorative vase. That's a good word right there. Aspersion. Aspersion. Ooh. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> uh, you know how I found that out? I hit the synonym button on word. Thanks to the formatting formula. Oh. <laughs> That's right. You can type something in and then just hit, synonym like you're typing something you're trying to sound fancy or it sounds too fancy you want to dumb it down a little bit you can go that way too so anyway another little plug for the formatting formula but carry on all right so i think we're we're, we talked about uh maturity so sandstones are going to tend to be more well i actually shouldn't even say this you're going to you want to look at the sediment and figure out if the sediment's mature immature because mature sediment you know, like I said, just to kind of recap, everything's rounded, well sorted, and you got a lot of uh, sand-sized quartz. That indicates this thing's been pr- transported pretty far. All right, and Mother Nature's had a chance to sort sort it all out. All right, get rid of like the weakling minerals, things like mica, uh, the, the feldspars, anything that's just not as resilient as quartz. Get it out of there. So it's been it's been worked a lot, and which kind of just stuck with the rounded sand size quartz immature stuff means that your sediment you can uh your sediment hasn't been transported like relatively far at, at all it's pretty close to the source where it came from so that's gonna be really important when we want to check out the provenance or the the you know the origin of your of your sandstone of the sediment within your sandstone so we'll get into that in a couple minutes moving on we have now we deposit our sediment all right, so we talk about um, sediment gets deposited in, in some type of basin. Right, so, somewhere where the energy of your system slowed down. Yep. Most likely water, but it could be anything. It could be wind too, but, or, you know, ice melt, but somewhere where the gradient slowed down, meaning like the slope of your hill for the water leveled off and therefore it slows down and just drops the sediment yeah it's just, the system starts to lose its energy like like think of like a river flowing into a larger body of water like the mississippi river doesn't just keep on flowing through the gulf of mexico you know it kind of disperses into the gulf and and as it loses its energy it starts to first drop off the the the, the largest size grains and then the further away you are from the mouth of the river the 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 the, the finer and finer the sediment gets so we, we dropped this stuff off and now we're going to bury this. And we said we compact this stuff and we're doing sandstone. So stand, sand loses about 10 to 20% of the volume when, it, when it's compacted. And 
so we kind of rearranged the way that the the sand grains are kind of organized or kind of stacked up, right? There's different ways you can pack your sand. So we kind of shifted around to try to minimize the pore space as it's, as the overburden on top of it starts to grow and grow and grow and it pushes down. And it, any, any dad has ever packed a trunk for a car on a trip can appreciate this. You can pack it and there's no room left. And you're like, wait a second. I can Tetris this. Yeah. I can, I can pull all this stuff out of the trunk, rearrange it, and end up fitting another bag in there. Well, because, you know, like you'll pack it perfectly and then you'll come to back to like the back door. There'll be like three more bags sitting there. Like, come on. <laughs> yes. Where did this come from? Perfectly. <laughs> but, you know, by just based on weight and the burial, Mother Nature kind of does this for you. Just squishes it in there as best it can. Yeah, yeah. T- so ten to twenty that that's not that's not bad. It's it's significant. I don't know if we mentioned this during the coal episode, but coal is essentially a hundred to one, so a hundred feet anthracite. Yeah, so ninety nine percent compaction. Yeah. So versus now we're talking for sand, it's ten. So I sorry for bringing up coal again. <laughs> that's, the new space. This is five weeks in a row now. This is. Just- <laughs> Got it. We got to get rid of this uh, coal thing, man. I, I, Jesse's on his way to his dream of a coal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So we now we could pack this stuff. And the other thing too is we want to heat the temperature up. Heat the temperature up. We want to heat, heat this up. up. <laughs> <laughs> we want to we want to kick the temperature up a little bit, right? And the reason that this happens is because when now this is where your chemistry does start to kick in a little bit. Now we so far have been like anti-chemistry until this part, until the cementation part. We're actually cementing the grains together. We want warmer temperatures because we want chemical reactions to start precipitating the uh, these these minerals out that start to fill up the pore space. So usually it's about uh, 200 C or so is what you're looking at. To is that is that temperature coming just from? depth yeah geothermal yeah 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 so that's just yeah just from it it just the the we're burying the stuff or shoving it underground and the deeper you go underground the warmer it gets it's called the geothermal gradient so we need that we need that heat to be the catalyst for these chemical reactions to start occurring to start precipitating out the cement that's going to glue these grains together so the most common cements that we get with sandstones are quartz calcite and so iron oxide, and then sometimes clay as well. Clay is a little different. That's what, kind of involves. What's your favorite? I mean, I, I'm just a, I just straight up quartz guy. I was going to say quartz on quartz. I like quartz it. on quartz. I'm a real big, you know, quartz aronite fan. We'll get into that later. Don't worry. Ooh. I'm pretty, pretty close. Second to me would be iron oxide. I think the iron oxide. Yeah. Iron <laughs> All right. So. Now we have that. We should probably. I want to skip down to the types of sandstones. Yeah, it's time. It's time. Yeah. I think we. I think we. Everyone's, actually, everyone's ready for it. Yeah, everyone's waiting on the edge of their seat. All right. So we got these. These. Uh, first, I want to talk about these common terms. These so-called pedestrian terms of sandstone. All right. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's three types of like kind of like uh, you know these common terms of sandstone sandstone itself is a category of rock. All right. It's not a specific 
type of rock. So you can you can break this up into quartz sandstone, arcos, and gray wacky. So quartz sandstone, this is the simplest one. We'll start off with this one. This is this is a, a, exactly as it sounds. It's like all quartz, like 95 plus percent quartz. Quartz is by far the dominant mineral. This is like, a, we'd say this is like a very mature sandstone. Um, then the next type of sandstone for the common terms, you have Arcos. And Arcos, depending on which definition you use, there's, there's a couple different definitions of Arcos and the kind of, it, ultimately it's, it's all the kind of the same thing. It just kind of gets into semantics, but Arcos sandstone contains a fair amount of the mineral feldspar or the group of, of feldspars um, in, in that rock. So it's about 15, so about 15 to 20% or so, give or take, like I said, depending on which definition you use. Now, would you say this tends to be like pinkish or reddish? Yeah, I was going to say it's usually potassium feldspar, which yeah. is usually. But, I mean, you could also get uh, the plagioclase feldspar too. Ooh, you can shoot. Making this stuff up. So, But in your general identification sedimentary lab, if you're, if you're identifying sandstones and it's pinkish, it's our yeah. guess. But yeah. you can't say that. So here's the deal because there's a lot of red quartz sandstones as well. Go out, go out to Utah, go out to Nevada. You see these red sandstones everywhere. I think that tends yeah. to, that would just be mean people. to put that in a that general be... geology lab. <laughs> but that's real life. You know, like, <laughs> no. oh, life is mean. What are you going to do? You know, I guess. And I feel like that's how all my intro to geology lab specimens were like, and... well, this isn't right. Oh, it's magnetite. Well, this one doesn't really stick to a magnet, but it is. <laughs> just trust us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with these terms, it's the sediment. The cement doesn't matter, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I just want to make that clear. And then and then you have a type of sandstone called gray wacky. And that's like uh tends to have this like salt and pepper kind of look, tends to be darker colored. Um, you tend to get these, we'll talk about this in a, in a actually for the, it's the next thing on the outline that we have here, but the gray wackies. Well, actually, you know, I'm going to skip for where they, they come from. We'll, we'll save that for the, the very end. But they're, they're just, they tend to have these things called lithic fragments in it, right? So whether it's, uh, you know, just kind of frag, tiny little sand-sized fragments of other rocks, or, or also it tends to be like dark-colored minerals. We call it like mafic-colored minerals. Uh, gray wacky has, has a lot of those. They tend to be darker in color. It's, um, it's, there, is it usually poorly sorted, or does it matter? Mm. I think it all depends. It also the, see the, the sorting thing also depends on your source too. I mean, this is a topic for a whole nother podcast too. What's 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 your source sediment coming down? You know, is it all the if, is it all the same size? Do you have a, a range of so that's that's the one thing. If you ever if you ever defend your PhD dissertation, they're going to hit you up on that. That's one of those questions. It's easy, like you know, oh, we never spend, know. We could spend thirty minutes on this, just you know, tearing Chris apart. Mm. <laughs> Not that, not that it left a scar or anything. No, like. not that it actually. I, a friend of mine named Chris is what I should have said. I mean, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, it happened. <laughs> All right. So those quartz sandstone, arcos, and gray wacky. Those are like the three kind of like pedestrian terms, if you may. Now, since we are the premier geology podcast, I'm not going to leave you guys at the pedestrian terms. We're going to take this one up and you know one up this, and we're going to go above and beyond what you guys are probably expecting because that's just what we do here at the flannel cast just you know um under promise over deliver right? <laughs> yes <laughs> that should that should be our tagline <laughs>
Yes. <laughs> well, or over promise under deliver. I don't know which way you want to look at it. <laughs> um, all right. So if you really want to get into the weeds of this, and we're not going to go too far into this because this is this, if we, if we do go too far into this topic, which I don't know, we may have already, it's going to put you to sleep faster than NyQuil will, but just to kind of, <laughs> kind of breeze over this, we actually have these. So those three terms, those three types of sandstones we talked about are not the actual technical terms. If you really want to get into the, the nitty gritty. Now there's you, we can, these terms are going to talk about like, once again, there's like a bunch of different definitions. It all depends on whose definition you're, you're looking at. These are, I prefer to use a thing with, uh, by, it's called the dot classification, but um, you know, it's, 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 it's at the end of the day, it's all pretty much the same thing. So if your sandstone is made of like 95% plus sand, it's called an aronite. All right. And aronite is, uh, I didn't actually know this. I, I should have known this, but, and we were just talking about this before the podcast, but aronite, the word, or the, the word uh, arena is Spanish for sand. That's, that's where it comes from. So 95% plus sand. So you have these, this type of sandstone called uh, aronites. And then if you, ha- if you're about from 95 to about 50% sand, it's called a wacky. And then anything less than 50% sand is considered mudstone category. So obviously we're not even getting into the, we're going to not, we're not going to get into the mudstone stuff, but um, so I just, I, since we're talking about the sandstones, we're just kind of going to deal with the, uh, the aronite stuff here. So a quartz aronite is what you should call a quartz sandstone from the, from like more of the, the, the common term that we've used. Yes. So it's like 95 plus percent quartz, or, you know, I think some, some even go up as high as like 98% quartz. It's like way, way up there. It's for all intents and purposes. It's all just like, it's all straight up sand. And uh, so these quartz, sand. quartz sands. Yes. Thank yes. you. Uh, so these quartz aronites, they're going to, you tend to get these things forming along, a passive margin. So in case you don't know what a passive margin is, think of like the, I mean, we're, I'm going to use the example of North America because we all live in North America, all the, all the three flannel casters here, we are North Americans. Um, you have the West coast. As far as anybody knows, we still don't have a room with a window. I have a room with a window. You just on the other side of the camera. Oh yeah. 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 So do I. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So what a passive margin means, you have two different types of, uh, of mar- active margin and passive margin. Active margin would be like the West Coast of North America, right? We get a lot, lot of tons of earthquake activity, strong earthquake activity. Uh, we have volcanic activity. And basically, there's, there's tectonic collision occurring along your, your, pass- your, uh, excuse me, your active margins. Now, your passive margins are going to be a little different. That's what the East Coast of the U.S. is. We don't have active tectonics really occurring along the East Coast of the U.S. We don't have volcanoes. We don't have, you know, regular strong earthquakes happening. It's kind of like I I was always taught. I, I really like this this uh, this analogy. It's kind of like you have a train. So the active margin is like the engine of the train, right? The passive margin is like the caboose. It's just kind of along for the ride, getting pulled along. And so that's where along these passive margins. A- Terrible analogy. What? That's so confusing. I don't it, understand. Is it is it still moving? Is it not moving? How? Well, it, I mean, it's ultimately going? moving. It's ultimately moving. But the active margin—that's like the you know, if anything hits it, 
it's going to hit the uh, you know the engine of the train. Boom! That first car, <laughs> smash. Yeah, I, I, I don't. That's so confusing to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It's moving in the same direction. Yes. Okay. I guess it is moving in the same direction, but it's it's nowhere near the front of the train. No, I, I like the crazy train analogy. I'm on board. All right. So you're getting these quartz aeronites being deposited along these passive margins, just like the East coast of the United States or uh, North America, or also within epicontinental seas. And so that's kind of like these, like these shallow inland seas, uh, the continent gets flooded out uh, much like the, uh, the, the Western interior seaway of the Cretaceous period. What was that? What was Jesse? You knew someone that called it the finest seaway of its day or oh, the grandest seaway of its day, <laughs> the grandest seaway of its day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Inside so, joke essentially there, from, uh, Louisiana all the way up almost to what, like South Dakota. No, even above. The, I mean, it, it, it connected the Gulf of Mexico to the Arctic uh, yeah, Ocean. The Hudson, there was a Hudson okay. Bay arm to it. Yeah. So there's your quartz aeronite. It's all just like quartz sized sand. And then we, if uh, I guess the Arco sandstone, the technical term you should actually use is feldspathic aeronite. Or you could even use the, the wacky term if there's a little more, little more fine grained stuff in there. So when you start to see these, uh, these feldspathic aronites or feldspathic wacky, depending on how much, uh, like I said, the sand content, you're dealing with something that's close to a granitic source. Think of like an alluvial fan. So an alluvial fan, you tend to see these in, in arid environments. There's a classic alluvial fan. Any intro to geology textbook will show the alluvial fans in Death Valley. It's very, Death Valley in, in California is, it's, uh, it's the hottest place on earth. And it's also very, very, very dry. And I think what was last year, Death Valley hit the record for the hottest, the hottest spot on earth, right? Uh, no, hottest. I think Saudi, somewhere in Saudi Arabia hit the but it's the hottest in North America. You might be right. I could have swore we did an episode, a podcast episode about the other year. It, it hit the world record for the. I had a post-it note on my desk for a long time that said, literally said, why is Death Valley hot? <laughs> it's because it's so dry, right? Um, well, yeah, it's like the topography. Yeah, it's like its location. Hundred, I got 134 degrees in Death Valley. The hottest temperature ever recorded, 1913. Don't trust that. 1913. All right. Anyways, I think we're getting into semantics. Let's just let's just leave it as yeah. Death Valley is really really hot. All right? Anyway, that's, that's there, the there's alluvial fans there because and so alluvial fans is just on the rare occasion when it does rain, it brings the sediment down the. It's very steep terrain in the mountains around there. It brings the sediment down the mountains gravity driven right water driven as well and then once it kind of hits these like flat the flat lying areas adjacent to the mountains just kind of makes this fan of sediment coming off of the mountains that's that's kind of a alluvial fan in a nutshell so you get a lot of feldspar because there's a lot of feldspar you get feldspar in granite so that means you're very 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 close to a granite source and then finally the third type we're dealing with are lithic aronites. So instead of saying gray wacky, you should probably say a lithic aronite or a lithic wacky. And those tend to form nearby as well. They're not transported very far. They're formed nearby volcanic arcs. So think like the Japanese islands, the Aleutian islands. Um, they're, they're basically the fill-all. It's not feldspar <laughs> and it's not quartz. It's 
other. Yeah. Yeah. Basalts are basically, yeah, other. Other. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so I think that wraps it up for sandstones. Anything else that we. Oh, you know, if you want to learn more about sandstones or if you want to talk to us behind the scenes, you could always join, become a Patreon member, support the podcast. Yeah, we have some uh, some fun hangouts before and after the podcast episodes. You can also we have some extra content we throw up on the Patreon page. We talk about some additional like news stories, just kind of additional topics, you know, fun topics to talk about. We could do a little more rant and raving. It's a little mm-hmm. more. Sometimes we do a little more debating. We do a lot. Each other. Yeah. More or less yelling at each other and just. No, no. We do battle some royale. Fun, <laughs> fun news stories and fun topics and stuff. But sometimes, yes. <laughs> sometimes we just have to talk about how Chris is wrong. So sometimes we just have to talk about how Steve is mostly <laughs> always wrong. And just, just happens. Just happens. It's all the mountains in Kansas can't hold me down. <laughs> really quickly looked up temperature. We should do an episode on temperature. It, one, it depends on how you measure things. And there's all these places. With pla- a thermometer? Well, so I'm anti-thermometer. <laughs> there's all these places that claim the, the hottest. Yeah, so Furnace Creek in Death Valley in 1911, but a place in Libya just like nine years later measured 136. But the the and it depends on where you measure it. In Arizona, there was this group that measured it four inches off the soil surface and they were getting like 160 degrees and four feet they were getting 108 degrees so the warmest ever the hottest ever measured using satellite data was uh the Lut desert um which measured temperatures of 159.3 degrees. See ya. Goodbye. No. Yep. Interest. That's not human. Yeah. No, that's... I was at uh, the Hoover Dam and it was 117 degrees. Oh, I can't. That do... was hot. I mean, I, I'm barely surviving here in Atlanta in the summertime. Yeah. Uh, hot Atlanta. And nobody well, actually that, says that hey, down hey, here. Hey, t- to the Hoover Dam's credit, it was dry. But oh, it's the dry it's, heat. 117 degrees of dry heat. Just stick your head in an oven. It's great. It, all right. It is. That's the thing. It's like it's like being inside a dry sauna. You know, it's it's hot. It, but it's kind of bearable for a little while. And then you realize like your skin's turning red because you're slowly cooking. But it's not like that gross, like like you know 95 and humid like you have in philly like you you know you just want to fall over and lay on the ground yeah yeah um so i don't know if i'm i'm probably not saying lut right it might be loot or something but um in whatever it is called in in persian because it's in iran it it means emptiness plane yeah, yeah. Everyone gets yeah. cooked. Yeah, yeah. We're That's, all gonna die. So a great spot. Oh, I'm lost in the emptiness plane. This is great. <laughs> I find myself. I mean, often. we're all gonna die. Flat spot was already taken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right next to ba- uh, Black Hall Alley. You know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, please, please become a Patreon member if you like the podcast. Uh, please send us an email with suggestions at geologyflannelcast.com. Check us out on Twitter at geoflannelcast. 
uh facebook i'm trying to get better at that with uh geology flannel cast at facebook um what else am I? instagram we have an instagram uh so also if you're interested like how he's pausing you you made a face like you were gonna start talking so i paused I, sorry i it just the look on your face is just like you're just like like you got stuck in a loop and like you know <laughs> you had to press control off the leaf to get out of this <laughs> nice um so yes yeah, so thank you maddie one instagram post for five years yes. i posted i put a post up yesterday yeah. i i got a I, I got a picture to, to, to we got to throw up there anyways yeah. uh <laughs> sounds like we have some patreon volunteers that run our instagram yeah. uh, well, i'm here <laughs> so also if you're interested in helping out the podcast maybe you don't want to do a, a subscription per month uh check out the merch we sell uh you can get some stickers you can uh uh, you got some some uh, lovely geology flannel cast coffee mugs here, as you can see. It uh, it will make a t-shirt that likes. We got t-shirts like the ones behind me. Uh, the coffee mugs will make your coffee taste thirty to forty five percent better. Just saying. oh, it, at least at least it's it's really. I, I don't know what is in these coffee mugs, but it makes your coffee taste really really good. So um, you should just get the coffee mugs because of that but anyways it's, so, it's made from the tears of angels is what it is you know how hard it was to find these angels <laughs> and then to make them cry oh, am i right <laughs> so anyways so geologyflannelcast.com also if you want to send a listener question every once in a while we do an episode of listener questions we play stump the geologist um twitter do we mention twitter or at geoflannelcast on twitter i think that's that's about it so um yeah Everyone, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to podcasts. It's been another awesome, awesome week. We had a lot of fun doing this one. Uh, Don't forget, it's uh, tell a love one February. Tell a love one February, and uh, uh, happy, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Yeah, I, I just want to say a, a friend of the podcast, Vince, Patreon Vince, <clears throat> uh, was like, "How are you not doing flannel cast February?" And I was like, "Ah, oh. but that doesn't really get the." the word out where were you we last did. week vince yeah come on buddy well, how we That's did brilliant flannel cast february <laughs> we should celebrate this month how about we just do flannel cast march <laughs> <laughs> it just rolls right off the tongue uh march madness for rocks <laughs> you have to be mad we should have a rock bracket Ooh. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's in. That is totally in. We're doing a rock bracket. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Flannel. And then we'll, we'll update it every week with who won the previous week. And as, as all the way down to the final four. So email us. Go to geologyflannelcast.com. Yes. Shoot us an Send email. In about your favorite what, rocks. What rocks you want to see in yeah, this bracket? Field of 64. It could be a rock and or mineral. As uh, no, 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 no. I think we should. Uh, that's ooh, getting, yeah, oh, no, the mineral can be like the Ivy League, but you no, know, but that's, at least that's, one's got to get in. There'll be a 16 molten March. I like that. Thanks, Mark. Molten <laughs> yeah. March. Molten March. Yeah. But I think, yeah, that's not apples to apples. It'd be like, oh, this is like, uh, you know, football and baseball. You know, like you gotta, I think you gotta, you gotta either keep it minerals or keep it rocks. I don't mm. think that all right, I, we're gonna my vote discuss would, this more off the air, but yeah. uh, 
let us either let us, way we're gonna definitely have a field of 64 <laughs> this is happening Apple i think it's, it's going to be easier to get 64 minerals and 64 types of rock i don't know i'm pretty sure this is going to be a thing on family will your mineral or rock make it into as maddie the patreon said the flannel cast final four Ooh. We're gonna get up some jazzy music we'll get john tesh on a keyboard here to I, seriously i i'm already envisioning a new design of a t-shirt so <laughs> <laughs> anyway thank you everybody for listening uh please check us out on uh geologyflannelcast.com all of our social media posts we really appreciate you listening and i don't know what else to say goodbye Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Good night, everybody. Bye now.